What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Sheehan Show here on Sherdog.com. And today we are back with another edition of the Bellator preview show. As Bellator 299 comes to my beautiful home country of Ireland and the not so beautiful Dublin. But we, we, we'll get over that. We'll get over. I get, actually, by the time this is out, I'll actually be in Dublin. So I, gotta, I, could, be getting, uh, I could be getting assaulted as I speak after, after saying that. But uh, we are back um, with, with a big card in my home country. And it's always great, you know. I, I think... Because of the cards Bellator have brought, and because of, you know, talks of the UFC coming back, and because PFL are obviously coming towards the end of the year and all that, I feel like we've, we're taking it for granted a little bit. You know, I saw people talking last week, oh, it's a bad time for Irish MMA, and all. Jesus, a few losses making a bad time for Irish MMA, I think it's just such a great time for Irish MMA, and a lot of that has been down to, to Bellator, and they're bringing these big cards, and you know... Maybe this is the last Bellator card in Ireland, so maybe we should enjoy it while we can. I hope that's not correct, and you know I've spoken about it before in this show. I would, uh, I would really, really, really hope that Bellator continue, or if maybe they're bought out, that whoever is is going to be, you know, in charge will will allow cards to come back to Ireland all the time because they've they've been so special. Like I talk about taking things for granted. Like we're we're getting a Bellator middleweight title fight here. You know, we had a welterweight title fight. We had a lightweight title fight. We had uh, an Irish person fighting it and Peter Queeley. We had, you know, Peter Queeley's brilliant walkouts, James Gallagher and his walkouts, Brian Moore and his walkouts and all their fights. Sinead Cavanagh, Liam McCord, one of the, you know, the fights that'll go down in history in Irish MMA. Plus, we've had, you know, Joel Romero and... Uh, Yaroslav Amasov and loads of big stars come over and fight here and just be able to see Fedor and all of it. It's been absolutely fantastic. If you're an Irish MMA fan or a person covering Irish MMA, um, I think that look, there was a bit of a scepticism with Bellator coming at the start. But it's hard to say it's been anything but good for Irish MMA, if we're being honest. And look at all the other gyms as well that have, and I know this is obviously a very SPG-centric um, endeavour, although there have been a few others with the likes of Paul Redmond and Norman Park and others, but now especially, I think it's only SPG. Um, but like you see in, even in, in the likes of Cage Warriors, but the, the three champions that were there six months ago, all going to the UFC, uh, apart from Paul Hughes, who hopefully will be there next. But like we have... Danny McCormack is the Invicta champion and all that. It's just such a wonderful time for Irish MMA. I feel like sometimes sometimes I have to stick up for it because people are giving out about it. So it's just like there's nothing to, there to give out about. And you know what's definitely not to give out about this card? Because it's... Well, there's a few things to give out about. I love to find something to give out about. There is 21 fights in this card. So it's going to be a very, 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 very long media day. And... Uh, uh, fight day and post fight day for all Johnny, but we'll get over that too. We'll uh, uh, that'll be okay. But as I said, big middleweight title fight in the main event. Um, I love the core main event, possibly number one contender uh, fighting the fight below that, and then a lot of Irish people in. I would say, do you know what? More winnable fights than they have been in, in recent times, and some of them. And now, fair play to Bellator for putting their their uh, I suppose their cash cows on the line a little bit. But having said that, it's it's good to see that. Now we will uh, we will see the future because you like usually when we're talking about these cards, we're very much talking about where's it going to move a person, what are they going to do next, and all of that. Um, and it's very very tough to actually know now because of I suppose the circumstances surrounding holding. I mean, you know, you know. 
just as I recorded this or yesterday, they announced the um, the 301 card. So there's um, more to come as well. And obviously, I'm recording a few days early, but maybe we'll have more news about what's going on uh, by the time this comes out or shortly after. But it seems to be that we're waiting for a long time to see what's happened with Bellator. And while we do that, I suppose we can kind of just enjoy the fights that are actually happening. So let's do that and let's get straight into them here. Um, and let's let's start with the main event because I'm going to concentrate obviously a lot on the Irish people. But the, the top two fights, top fight, you know, uh, an American and an Englishman. Uh, Englishman slash Jamaican. And then in the co-main event, we have Aaron Pico, obviously from uh, America. And then we have uh, Pedro Cavario, who's obviously based in Ireland and out of Portugal uh, as well. So, you know, I, I I think the Irish fans do enjoy that. They, they like... Now, if, look, if they could have an Irish woman, or a, a woman, Irish woman or an Irish man in a title fight at the top of the card, absolutely they'd take it. But we want the best from across the water as well. And we, we have that with these here. So let's talk about Fabian Edwards and, uh, and Johnny Eblen. Um... You know, it's a very, very interesting matchup, I think. Like, Fabian Edwards is someone who I've watched since his amateur days. I know my uh, my colleague Graham over in the Severe podcast watched him as an amateur. And obviously, look, there's he's Leon Edwards' brother, so you're going to. But I think he was 10-0 as an amateur with something like nine finishes. And he was, you know, he was absolutely fantastic. I remember one of his early... Um, uh, pro fights, he got a, a, an arm bar when he was just about to lose the fight. You know, pulling things out of the water early, and has always been a guy who has you know shone true and been someone who we thought would get to a certain level. Now there's been some rocky roads uh, for him to travel, I suppose, over the last few years. Losing to Costello Vancinas, that split decision uh, in 2020. A lot of people, you know, thought that was very close, and there's no doubt about it. I think it was the right decision, but it was close. And the Vanderford fight as well, that was, that was a unanimous decision, but I actually thought that was nearly closer. That was one of those weird fights where, you know, there was a lot of top control, but maybe not a lot of damage, and a fight that, you know, maybe if a couple of other judges were on it, that he could have won. So, you know, his two losses were were relatively close fights, but still, you know, close fights can happen and, and losses can happen in those uh, in those close fights. But when you're at that kind of level where you're, what, four or five fights into your Bellator career, that's age four fights into your career, you've won all four, you get a guy like Costello Van Steenis, you get a guy like Austin Vanderford, two fights in a row, you know, who are either ranked or on the border of being ranked, you know, you're looking at title shots in, and when you kind of fall there, it's like, oh, we're going to have to take that step. We're going to have to, I suppose, work our way back up. And he did that. Look, the Lyoto Machida one in 2022, fighting Lyoto Machida was a bit of a, a bit of a gimme, I suppose. No, no disrespect to anyone. Um, and the Charlie Ward fight was a very odd fight, right? And at that stage, you're kind of thinking, well, look, they've got him two wins now. Let's just kind of get him a title shot. But to be fair to Bellator, and I disagreed with this at the time, I liked the fight, but I disagreed with the matchmaking. They made the fight against Gegard Mousasi. Um, and the fact that he won that uh, and won it well over five rounds, I think showed the level that Fabian is. And if he can get any fight like that, he has a really, really, really good chance of winning it and probably will win it. You know, sometimes it's a similar thing to Leon. Like, Leon is... You look at Leon, right, and you think, well, what's he great at? And it's hard to see what he's absolutely great at. But what is he bad at? Nothing. You know, there's nothing there he's bad at. And I think Fabian is a certain, a, a similar sort of fighter, but more talented. I was actually talking to someone the other day who had uh, had sparred both of them. I won't say who it was, but they were telling me they're... 
uh, sparring boredom is a totally different thing when you're in there with Leon he kind of maybe drags you into a false sense of security kind of thinking you have a chance um, but when you're fighting Fabian or sparring Fabian you you know you don't have a chance kind of thing because he is long and strong and hits hard and all of that now you know he hasn't had that many knockouts or anything over the last few years so maybe that's something he'll be looking to get back to but when you're fighting that level of competition uh, you know and obviously he did knock out um, Leota but apart from that um, so yeah, I think that's, I suppose, setting this all out for Fabian. The other side of it for Johnny Eblen, it's been much more straightforward, I suppose, as a 13 and all fighter, and he has done it, um, you know, the way the, that Bellator liked to do it. Um, he fought in Shamrock FC for the opening four fights of his career, where, you know, they, them for a long time was an organization that was kind of giving lads like him fights and then putting them over to Bellator, and that's exactly what he did, sign for Bellator to the, uh, um, I mean, he's debut in 2019 anyway, and has won every fight since. You know, and the opening fights, you know, the the, the Foxworth, the Alonso, the Tyler Johnson, David Madrid, uh, Travis Davis, uh, even up to Colin Hookbody. Like, Colin Hookbody, a bit of a name, but the rest of them are kind of the sort of matchmaking you should do signing new people to a big organization. You know, I just talked about the Irish MMA fighters um, and, the, you know, some of the up-and-comers, and, like, that hasn't always been the case. You know, in which organization am I talking? I could be talking about any organization there, but and that's not just Irish MMA fighters, all different sorts of MMA fighters. It feels like a lot of the set of cage warriors guys going to the UFC have been badly enough um, matchmen, in my opinion. Now, Paddy Pimlet is the obvious exception there, but um, this is a sort of matchmaking. I actually think some people criticize this. But I think it's good. It's an extra additional step every time to get to where he got there. And he fought Hook Buddy Salter. And then, you know, into the title fight against Musasi and Anatoly Tokov last time out. Um, and I think what he's shown is that every step again that he is sick and he has kind of risen to the occasion and done really well at it. Again, the Musasi one was the, the key, you know, the way he dominated Musasi. I think a lot of people watched that fight that night, me included, and were like, this guy's the best middleweight in the world. And I think, you know... After what happened to Adesanya at the last day, uh, and Sheen Sean Trickland as the champion now, it's probably hard to actually um, argue against him being the best middleweight in the world right now, which is interesting because I, I think I got a bit, a bit of stick for it a while back, but, and you know, hard to argue against it. A lot, of, I'm sure a lot of people would argue against it, uh, but however, he's, he's definitely up there for me. Um, but as a fighter, very different to Edwards. Obviously, look, Edwards... As, as I said, he can fight in the ground and he has submissions and everything like that. He's actually a good few submissions in his career, but he's mostly, you know, a striker. Eblen, mostly a wrestler, a wrestler, but can strike as well. And I think the weird thing about this, right, is you have to analyze these guys for each other. You know, Edwards can wrestle, has good jiu-jitsu, but does he want to use it against Eblen? Probably not. Eblen can strike, and he actually has good striking, probably underrated striking, but does he want to use it against Edwards? Probably not. So this is the exact matchup you have here. Now, if they both have to use it, they will use it, and they will probably use it to great effect. And I'm looking forward to seeing how it works out. Like, will Edwards be able to use, I suppose, his control? He's a very good at keeping long and using that jab and throwing that lovely body kick and leg kick and, you know putting, I suppose, that long hand out and, you know, John Jones style maybe even um, keeping the range. A very different fighter to John Jones and the kind of the strikes he takes and the <clears throat> even the stance he has and whatnot. But I think in, in terms of keeping range, 
at times he can be very, very, very good at that. Whereas Eblen, it's very hard for anyone to keep him out of their range, if you want to put it like that. He is a, a world-class wrestler who has very good entries, as I said, who can strike enough to get inside with that, you know, little lead handy, whether it's an uppercut or a little jab or a little hook, and then he comes in down underneath or he'll counter you with a takedown. He's he's so many tricks in the book. He's, he's going to be very, very effective. Um against anyone really in the world um i actually think look it's a tricky matchup for both of them it's a very very tricky matchup for both of them especially considering like sometimes we forget it eblin is only 13 fights into his career um and fabian's only 14 fights into his career you know 30 years of age versus 31 years of age so you know sometimes we get we get carried away and you know we we forget these lads could have another five years until they get to their prime you know, and, uh, you know, I remember I was hearing before and seeing lad talking about it, you have, you know, the, the, the kind of the, the MMA lifespan is maybe seven, eight years to get to your prime. You know, you have a couple of years at it uh, and, you know, maybe, maybe the amateurs and stuff will be thrown in that. But you have like the 10 year kind of career, maybe like um, Evelyn made his debut in 2017. You know, so what is he six years into it? Um, and Fabian 2017 as well So six years into it These lads are Are very much Kind of reaching that point Right They're reaching that point But They're not uh, You know It's not, not that they're not Quite there yet But what, what My point I'm making is Right You never know What you're going to get Out of lads Who are still improving Right and, and I mean positively there Right you, you know What we've seen from them already And they're going to bring that But You never know Like well, like, what's Fabian been doing? Who's he been working with in terms of wrestling? How's his takedown defense going to look? How are his takedowns going to look? What's his game against the cage going to be like? If you're Eblin, like, if you're looking at Eblin, how, how is he going to use that um, boxing to get inside maybe on some other range that he hasn't fought before necessarily like that? Is he going to try to strike a little bit more? Is he going to maybe work the leg and throw a few leg kicks? There's a lot of interests, I think, to decide a fight like this. And it's very difficult. Like I, I'm here, and I'm going to give a prediction, but it's it's very difficult to give a prediction for for a fight like this with two guys who are so high level. And I really do like a lot of people are probably thinking, okay, Evelyn's going to be a big favorite here. And I, look, I'm going to probably pick Evelyn if I'm being honest. But that I I think people would be very very foolish to quickly write off Fabian Edwards. He's a tough matchup for Eblen, a tough guy to get inside on, a tough guy to take down, and a tough guy to dominate when you're underground as well. Look, look at the Vanderford fight. Okay, Vanderford did take him down, but he didn't land much and he didn't win the fight by much either. Um, so yeah, I think it's I think Eblen's going to struggle, but I do think he will get takedowns. Um, and not struggle, but struggle with some parts of Edwards' game. I do think he will get takedowns. Um, I think the thing for Edwards is. To not get constantly taken down. If one takedown leads to another takedown, leads to another takedown. If the start of every round is a takedown, you're in bad trouble there. You're in bad trouble there. I believe that Edwards, for the first two to three rounds, won't fall into that trap. I think he will get taken down, but I think he will stop one, or maybe stop two, or maybe stop the one at the start of the round, and maybe you know get two minutes of striking or something like that. I think he will do that, but I think the longer the fight goes... Eblin's cardio is really, really good, and I think that will tell. And look, I could see it being two one either way. The, 
the third round, at the end of the third round, and maybe Eblen wins four and five. That's the type of fight I see here. See here, I think it will be long. I think he'll probably go to a decision, and I'm just leaning Eblen. Um, and in a co-main event, Aaron Pico against Pedro Cavallo. Look, this is a fight that Pedro Cavallo has called for for a, a long time now. I think a lot of Irish MMA people as well have wanted to see it because, you know, Pedro has been right up there in, in the rankings for a good while now. Um, you know, he's had a, a 50-50 record over the last while, I suppose, losing to Ger- Jeremy Kennedy, beating Mads Burnell in one of the most fantastic performances uh, out of someone from this country in a, in a long, long time. Uh, lost to Njelski before that and then beat Vichel which was another absolutely massive win at, at a Bellator Dublin which you know our, our, the Irish um, fighters didn't have a great night and he kind of brought it home and, and, and I think turned the night around for a lot of different people that night and for uh, Pico I suppose he's had a similar sort of thing recently although it was look we all know what happened at the start of Pico's career Let we, let's just write that off for a minute here right he went on a great run winning what six fights in a row and then the Jeremy Kennedy fight came where he got the bad shoulder injury dislocated his shoulder or whatever it was and ended up losing that fight because of it and um, you're thinking okay he'll just come back from that and he'll be fine the, the James Gonzalez fight look he won it and he won it well but I didn't think he looked exactly you know the same as he did before that now maybe that was a get the cobwebs uh, off type of fight and um, he'd be back to his best here but look if you're Carvalho if you're, you're, you're team SBG I suppose you'd be probably taking something from that and you know looking back at the Gonzalez fight and seeing maybe what he did um, and, and seeing maybe what Pico did wrong to give yourself a big chance coming in here. Look, we know we know what's going to happen here. We know what this game is. No problem here. For Pedro Cavallo, he's going to try to strike with him. He is going to try to land his big power shots. He's going to try to uh, land combinations and not get taken down. Uh, for Pico, he's going to try to take him down. But he's. I think he's going to be happy enough to strike with him as well. I think he's going to try to land the big shots. I think he's going to... like. I think for Pico, right... For a few of those fights in the six-fight win streak, he was very careful, and it was all like, I'm going to do the very right thing at the very right time, um, and he did it. And then I think the Justin Gonzalez fight, maybe the, the Edwards fight even, there was a little bit of a turn there where he was like, right, I need to open up now a bit. I need to get a bit more exciting. I need to use my uh, athleticism and all of that. Um, and he did, right? Um, and I wonder if he does that again here to get back to his best. Um, and he opens up against Carvalho and is happy to strike on him and throws those high kicks. You know, he's Brandon Gibson in his corner, one of the best coaches of all time um, in terms of the, you know, the striking round. If he can get that going, I, 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 look, it's going to be an absolute barn burner of a fight if that can happen. Because, and and I, do you know what? I take that back. I don't think it will be a barn burner. So one of them's getting knocked out. <laughs> you know, one of them is definitely getting knocked out if that happens because they're you know, they, they'll both go at it. They will, like, if, if Carvalho sees Pico coming and strike on him, he's like, okay, man from heaven. Now, Pico has that in his locker as well to do that, but then jump down underneath, go for a takedown. So that is a big possibility of happening as well. Um, so, yeah, look, it's it's a hard task for Pedro Carvalho. Make no mistake about it. If it's an he need, look, I think he needs an off night from Pico. I think he needs to get his striking going. I think he needs to be, he needs the crowd on his side. He needs to be ultra confident. He needs to throw his shots and he needs for him to land. Um, and he needs for he needs everything to go right, I think. He really does. For Pico, I think if he gets his wrestling going, uh, if he doesn't take too many shots in the feet, I think, you know, the, the, 
I suppose the, the route to victory for Pico is a lot more imaginable. Um, and I think, you know, if I made the pick, I, I, don't, I don't like going against my fellow Irishmen, but I, I, I'll pick Pico uh, in that. Right. Um, I, I don't think it might be for all of these, but I'll give it for some of them anyway. Very interesting fight between Sinead Cavanaugh and Sarah Collins. And this is one I think is, is a tough fight to pick because it's a little bit similar to Eblen versus um, Edwards, I suppose, at, maybe at a different level. You know, Sarah Collins only four fights into her career and all of that. Um, Sinead Cavanaugh obviously has been, like... I think she's probably defied maybe expectations over the last while. She's been so good, has she made like and especially after getting so unlucky at the start of her career, you know, the the split decision last to Arlene Blinko, the, the decision lost to uh, Smith, which was never a loss. It was a blind robbery in my opinion, and that one, the cut on Janae Harding, the Janae Harding fight. You know, she fought Janae Harding last time out and beat her. Like she, uh, you know, the what was it, the Ihani Rasavarian fight as well? Was that out in Sweden or somewhere? A lot of these fights, like, the only clear and utter loss of her career really is the Cyborg, you know? Um, she's a 9-5 and five record, but could she, she could easily have, like, a 12-2 and two record or something like that. Really, really could. So, and, and, you know, Sinead's 37 years of age now. She's on a two-fight win streak. She's a win over Liam McCourt. She's a win over Jeanette Harding. And if she wins here against Sarah Collins... She has to be, I think, the number one contender, or, or close to it anyway. Um, you know, Leah's fighting coming up here um, in a couple of weeks, as well at Bellator 300 against Sarah McMahon. Look, if Sarah McMahon wins it, maybe she'll pip her. Uh, but you know, if you're look at if you're to look at the division and you're look at who has the strongest call for it in the division, a cat is up there, obviously as well. But I don't know this cat fight uh, is going to happen, maybe and then maybe after that. But um, like, I think Sinead is is right up there and absolutely uh, you know she's someone who doesn't get enough respect in my opinion she did like she's won four of her last five fights only losing to cyborg if she wins this to win five of her last six that'll be phenomenal like in in the the division that's not the strongest division in the world that's a pretty strong record and it has to be uh, admitted i think um but she's coming in against sarah collins who is the top prospect in that division it's hard to say anything but that she is a, a really good wrestler. She came in against Pam Sorensen last time out, took her down, scarfold, and submitted her within three minutes. That's how good she is. She's only three fights outside of uh, of Bellator. And she, she looks a really tough matchup for Sinead. Uh, you know, she's a judoka, push you against the cage, take you down type of fighter. Where Sinead, we know, the national boxing champion, very, very good boxing, good background uh, in boxing, obviously, with the, the national championship. But... Sinead has shown in the last few years that her wrestling, her takedown defense is absolutely no joke. Like, Leah McCourt is a, a way bigger, stronger judoka, and she was able to beat her, you know, after tearing her, her knee in in, uh, in round one. Now, Leah brought in a few injuries as well. It was a great fight, but um, Sinead came through, and Sinead won that fight, and deservedly so won that fight. So it's not a case of, you know, someone's a good grappler, and they're fighting a boxer, so you, you can ride off the... Uh, the boxer I don't think that's the case at all she's very well schooled to Sinead being over the last few years she's as as hard a worker as anyone um, and you know she will be like Sinead knows as well Sinead knows that she's 37 years of age she has to win all these fights to get to that position you know she knows that even if she, let's say she doesn't get there and the contract is up or whatever, she knows that the opportunities are there elsewhere. It's all like Kayla Harrison is there. They're mad looking for people to fight Kayla Harrison or go into the tournament in PFL or whatever it might be. 
there are opportunities and a win here and go on a three five win streak and we, what was I said five year last six apart from Cyborg that's massive so this is a huge fight I think for Sinead Kavanagh it's a, look it's a huge fight for Sarah Collins as well because if she puts Sinead Kavanagh win on the back of a Pan Sorensen win you know she's not too far away from that tight leader and it's Cyborg and you know as we all know what's happening with Bellator we'll see but um, I, I think it's a huge fight I'm really not sure who's going to win this one I, I'm going to go with Sinead because I just think that extra bit of experience. I did a whole podcast about experience last week. And if I'm looking at a fighter who has 14 fights into her career against a fighter who's four fights into her career and who has, you know, the 14 fight veteran has dealt with fighters, you know, like her before, it's... And, and make no doubt about it, Sarah Collins is different. She's a very, very, very good prospect. But I'm going to go with uh, Sinead Kavanagh. You can call it Irish bias if you want, but I'm going to go with Sinead Kavanagh. Um... After that, then, we have uh, a couple of uh, of interesting bouts in the featherweight and uh, and welterweight division. Um, I think there should be uh, bangers. Not necessarily sure why they're on this card, or this high up in the card, to be honest. And maybe you can throw in the uh, the lightweight fight between uh, Mansoir Bonnoui and, and JJ Wilson as well. All very, very good fights. But a 21-fight card, I don't know, it, it feels like Bellator have... Um, I don't know, they have a few contracts to kind of finish up maybe or something here, maybe, and that's pure speculation for me now, but look, the Brunel fight against Vichel against Vich is very interesting. Look, Brunel lost to Boric and and, um, and Carvalho before coming back and beating Gonzalez the last time out, and you know, he was right up there towards the top of the division before that. Vichel is always there thereabouts, but look, again, he lost to Carvalho, but he came back against Whiteford, lost to uh, Kizriev last time out. And he'll be looking for a win as well. Look, it's all about getting back in the winning column for, for those two. Sabah Massey, again, look, lost to Brendan Ward in that absolute barn burner. He was on a 2-5 win streak before that. Levin Coachelli, the younger guy, only 26 years of age, you know, obviously took that loss to Coyote Yamauchi after being on... Uh, he lost to Crutchmere before that, but he was on a, a pretty good run, you know, beating uh, a good few guys in um, outside of Bellator before he was signed there. And everyone thought he was a top prospect but look he beat Roman Fernando after the Amiuchi fight and then beat Michael Lombardo last time out as well so that's a, a big one there I think for Coachelli because if he can put three in a row and start climbing up that division as well it's going to be big for him um, the Barnaoui fight look he I think a lot of people saw him as the dark horse for the lightweight tournament and when he lost to Brent Primus it was maybe a little bit of a shock although maybe Brent deserves a little bit more respect than that but the way he beat Piccolotti before that was fantastic and you know all the fights and wins over in road and you know fighting guys like uh, Louis uh, Chouillettes and um, uh, Matthias Gamrot and Colin Fletcher and Islam Makachev and Kevin Lee down through the years he's you know fought him on and JJ Wilson <laughs> It felt like at one stage there, every preview I was doing, JJ Wilson was uh, was on it, or due to be on it, and he had a lot of fights cancelled, and he fought a lot of fights, but look, the only person to beat him in the last, you know, is it ever? Ever, yeah, 9-1, is uh, is Gadzi Rabzabov uh, in 2022. You know, he beat Vladimir Tokov last time out as a win over Pedro Cavallo, and a few more as well. Like, this guy is really well-rounded. He can wrestle. He's good submissions, good... Um, uh, good power as well and all of that. So uh, a big, uh, a, a big fight for the uh, the lightweight division, and um, I think the winner of that, you know, with the the tournament and everything, could be uh, putting themselves up towards the top of it. Um, Peter Queeley, 
a very interesting fight for him uh, against Daniele Michele. Like, Quilia was obviously fighting for a title not too long ago, right up towards the top of the division, but it's been a rough, rough time for Peter. Lost three in a row, obviously lost that title fight to Patricky, lost to Benson Henderson in a fight where I remember talking to him afterwards, he was just like, you know, it was very hard to do it. You're fighting Benson Henderson, you're kind of standing there, it's... He'd love to have the fight back, but type of thing, like it's one you don't, you just didn't show up for type of thing. And that must be so tough. And then you go into a Bryce Logan, which is you're the title fight, you're the former UFC champion, and you're no, no disrespect to Bryce Logan, but you're fighting Bryce Logan, you know, and he got caught in that fight. And you know, Bryce Logan absolutely deserved the win, but this is a massive fight for Peter Quayley because look, if you lose four in a row um, in any organization, you know, anyone, I'm not out of turns in this, but anyone knows it's very, very tough. And especially, you know, you're 38 years of age as well. Um, it's it's a do or die fight here for Peter Queeley. It definitely is. I watched a bit, a bit of his opponent, Daniele Michelli. Um, look, 35 years of age, 16 fights into his career. He's never really fought um, at, at, at a high level. Um all five of his wins have been via knockout. I watched, it uh, wasn't his most recent win, but the one before that back in 2021 where he fought uh, Danilo Belloward. He got knocked down and basically knocked out with a jab. So, look, he is a guy who can be gotten to and can be hit, but he's very good wrestling, can take you down. Like, Queeley's hard to take down at times. He's he's strong and he puts a pace on you. I think Queeley needs to be confident here. If he's confident and walks this guy down and puts it on him, he you know, he can he can finish him. He can get that finish like the other five guys did. But if he stands back and kind of isn't confident, Michelle can throw kicks. He has lovely uh side kicks and kicks to the body and uh you know, kind of fights out to that, that karateka style like uh, many in SPG do, so clearly be well used to that. But then he will, as I said, take you to the ground. What is it? Um Six out of his eleven wins have been by submission, four by decision, only one knockout. But he, he look if you look at him, he is pretty dangerous on the feet. Maybe not with power, but with the way he throws things. So, yeah, a big fight. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Queeley because I think I I think Michelle has never really fought that level before. I'm I just think he's unproven. Maybe no, maybe he can rise to it, but I don't think um uh, what what I've seen from him anyway. I don't think. Uh, <sighs> It's not, it's not guaranteed. Let's put it that way. Um, right, let's run through a few more of these uh, these other fights here before I leave you. And there's, look, there's a lot of, of Irish guys getting chances here. Um, Charlie Ward is back um, and he's fighting uh, Gregory Babin in um, an interesting middleweight fight. Obviously, Babin is he's on a, a real run at the moment. Uh, he's won all, what, four, uh, three fights in Bellator, but he had a few fights outside of Bellator there uh, as well. Uh, four fights in Bellator. Um, you know, he beat Emiliano Sardi. He's beaten Mike Shipman. You know, he's he's beaten some some good guys um, in, the, in the current streak, and he's won, what, seven in a row? So a very, very good run. Whereas Charlie, on the other side of it, he's 41 years of age, and 42 years of age, sorry, now he's lost to uh, lost to Mike Shipman last time out in the aforementioned Fabian Edwards fight. But he was on a great run before that, doing a lot of wrestling and a lot of grappling and winning a lot of fights. Um, you know, Babin on the other side of it, then, look, he's happy to wrestle with you. He's happy to strike with you. It's funny, like, he's 12 submission wins, 6 submission losses, you know, 7 knockouts uh, by, uh, when he's winning and 2 knockouts when he's losing. It could go anywhere. Like, this is, I think this is going to be a wild fight. 39 years of age, Babin, I think the two lads will be going out there looking to have a, a bit of fun. 
the other fight, I think uh, Kieran Clark uh, against uh, Gorney. I'm going to go with that. I see his opponent five and three coming out of Poland. Um, I'll be honest, I couldn't find a whole lot of tape on uh, on this guy. Uh, look at his record at Sherdog. He has uh, four of his five wins are are, uh, are inside the distance with three knockouts. Um, look, what we know here from Kieran Clark is uh, and, and like the one bit I suppose I saw of Gorney, he looks like. He can hit. I suppose it's the only thing. Um, maybe, maybe so I'll be able to send me more footage and be able to like pop back on or something and talk more about him. But I couldn't really find much. Um, but Kieran Clark, we look, we all we know all about Kieran Clark. I mean, he's like seven and oh no. Uh, he was talking to my colleagues over in the Old Triangle podcast uh, recently, and he said this is, uh, I believe, the last fight of his contract. So, you know, if he wins this, goes to eight and oh, I think he'd be a prime candidate. If look. I don't know if to go to the UFC or get a big contract out of Bellator if that's what, you know if they're continuing on or whatever I think he will be a guy in the man because uh, Kieran Clark if you haven't I, I had an interview with him here before so it'll probably be you know down below here or something or you can go on and find it on YouTube but you know he comes from the biggest town in Ireland and he's a massive following he brings buses down to Dublin and everything an absolutely huge following and you know a real good guy a religious guy and not the, the, the shit talker or anything like that just a real hard nosed wrestler take you down work hard you know every SPG guy I talk to I go who's like who's the guy working hardest and they're you know he's the guy him himself Pedro Carvalho and you know a couple more always the guys that are, that are named but he's always always one of them and He's the type of guy that he flying under the radar and he might you know he might have the name of the other guys or the you know the Instagram following of the other guys but by God he can fight and he can scrap and he, you know, it might be the prettiest or it might always be the most effect. Or sorry, it is always the most effective, but it might not always be the most aesthetically pleasing, but he'll get it done and he's done it every fight so far. And uh, I think he'll get it done again on, uh, on Saturday night. Um, Look at Pilat against Roman Fernaldo. That look, that's a fight I'm not going to spend much time on, but that is a banger of a fight. You know, Piglad has been on a good run. So is Fernando eight and one against nine and one. Um, that's going to be like that's. If there wasn't twenty one fights in it, that that could be a, a fight we'd spend five minutes on. But very odd fight. Kassan Megamed Sharapov against Martin McDonough, right? Kassan Megamed Sharapov eight and zero made his debut. Uh, in let me just pull it up here. All the way back, all the way back in two thousand and nineteen. Martin McDonough on the other side of it. Um, his last win. 2015, he's, he lost two fights since that in 2019, 2023. This is the oddest fight I have maybe seen match made uh, at a high level in a very, very long time. This is going to be an absolute and utter destruction more than likely. Um, yeah, I probably don't... Uh, I, honestly, I don't think this fight should be made. Um, I've had a few messages from a few people about this. And like Howard Bell are getting away with kind of putting this on and uh, you know... That's probably a question that uh, that we maybe need to ask on on media day as well because yeah this is not not a great one. Um, uh, Derek Kelly is back again. He's fighting Zelle Zergas Trino against two and two. You know I think they're matching Kelly very well. He got a tough matchup a couple of fights ago and he's you know he's um, real good athlete, just a fantastic athlete. Um, he's the type of guy, right? He is very green. Really, really, really green. You can see, you can kind of see the mistakes in him, and you see him afterwards in an interview, and he's frustrated because he's making those mistakes. But three fights into his career, how could you not be? But he's a guy, right? If if you want to build a fighter, 
and you want the physique, there's your guy, Derek Kelly. Uh, he's down a featherweight again. You know, he was a big, he was a big lightweight, but he made featherweight the last time, and he's back there again. As is Brian Moore coming up the featherweight, I interviewed him a few weeks back about this fight, so check that out if you haven't seen it yet. He's fighting Otto Rodriguez. Like, Brian Moore, another guy who's a massive fan base. Um... I was surprised, honestly, when he moved to Federweight, but, you know, he explained it to me in that interview that, you know, getting down away, you're 36 years of age, and maybe the opportunities will open up a bit more. He's won his last two. Rodriguez, a very, very good fighter on the ground, good submissions, good wrestling and all of that. Um, more a very good boxer, but can wrestle and all that too. He's going to need to stop this one. He's going to need to keep it on the feet. Um, and, uh, you know, I think he will. I'm going to pick Brian Moore now. Well, I haven't been given my picks, but uh, I'm going to pick, uh, obviously, Mega Medcharimov. Uh, I'll go with Clark Beben, Barnoui, uh, Coachelli, and Burnell. Um, after that, then, we have David Galan versus Coromaz. We have Asel Ajouj against Ibrahim Al Fahik Hassan. Asel Ajouj, remember that name because, uh, again, there's a few guys in SPG, you know, the hardest workers. If you ask any of the SPG lads, who is the guy you think could be a champion on the way up? They'll all say SL Ajouj. All of them. And that, now maybe not all of them, but a lot of them. This guy is, like, he's obviously something special. And you can, you watch his fights and you can see it, right? You can see he's a good fighter, but I think the way the lads in the gym talk about him, there's something a little bit different with a cell, and he's definitely a guy you need to keep an eye on. I would say the same about Kenny Mokahana. He's, um, you know, Franz Malambo's brother, who's on a great run at the moment in uh, over in uh, PFL. Kenny's fighting Josh O'Connor, who's also 4 and a very, very good fighter. That's going to be a fun one. Uh, Luke Trainer coming off a big win uh, against an opponent who's 14-1. and one. Nicholas Seoli's on the card. Uh, and then there are some, um, yeah, some people who um, are also on the card in Mark Ewan against Noah Gunyan, Mackenzie Stiller against Kiera Pacheco, and Sergei Bilastiani against Kazim Aras. It's going to be a long day, ladies and gentlemen, for old Shani on, on Saturday night. Uh, we'll be there. Um, uh, follow me on Twitter, at Sean Sheehan BL. Have all the tweets and all uh, of that good stuff over there. And, um, you know, we'll, I'm sure we'll be chatting about it further as the days go. All right, everyone. I will leave it there. Thank you for tuning in. And um, I'll see you all next time.